Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Today is part four of that series. We are doing Show Me the Money. Not just a great scene out of a movie with a really short guy named Tom Cruise. If you're under 30, you won't know the movie. We are doing it because actually, under 30, sorry. This is a family moment. I I have a nine-year-old who, when we arrive at people's homes, he starts guessing the value of the home because he reads the property section. It's interesting. He guesses the value of our shopping if we do a monthly food shop and berates himself if he doesn't get close. Because he has a high value of understanding money. He's always, since a young age, wanted to know. He wanted to understand. Now, that is not evil, by the way. That is a God-given gift. But his heart has the potential to go another way. And my job is to teach him. So I have literally sat down with a nine-year-old and spoken about, this is how much money we get in. This is where we spend it. And when we canceled DSTV a while ago, I didn't have to sit with the other boys because they just took my word for it. I had to sit with him and explain to him that that is potential seed that could be sown into another area. And that's why we're making that decision to sow that seed. But you know how God is kind? Last night, my wife's been away for two days, and I've had my three boys, and we had a busy day of sports all day and kids and parties and all sorts of stuff. And then we had macaroni cheese at home. Just thought I'd share that. It's not important. And... Um, but at about 7 o'clock, their bedtime's before 8. I said, boys, let's go to Spur. Their favorite thing is Spur. It's waffles at Spur. So we went to Spur. We sit down. And I've been teaching this little boy about generosity because it's who God is. And the other day, he came home. And someone was at our house, someone who was sitting over there this morning, having coffee with my wife, having just time together. And my boy came home. He had Astros in his hand. So I said, outside, I said, boy, can I have an Astro? Because I like Astros. He went, mm. So I asked him again, can I have Astros? He went, ah, oh, Dad. I said, no problem, bud. I locked the door, locked him outside, and left him outside for 25 minutes. <laughs> and this lady's eyes got bigger and bigger. Why? Why? Not because I love Astros that much, because God is a generous God. And a nine-year-old who processes things financially needs to understand that generosity is who he is. It's not a possibility on the other side of some. God is calling him to a big story. But I take that same nine-year-old to Spur last night. I say, hey, God really loves you. And, and actually, Dad's going to bless you. Now, we're going to Spur. And we sit down and we order waffles. We're eating our waffles. And I hear this voice behind me and maybe the individuals in church this morning. But a voice that says, hey, can I pay for that? It's quite a weird question. So I kind of turn around. And to my shame, I do know the individuals, but I'd forgotten their names. And they just felt led to pay for my kids' waffles. You know what's amazing about it on many levels? Number one, God knows the desires of our hearts and the things we love, and my kids need to see that. Not just from their dad, but from a community. The individuals who gave it to him were not like me. They were of a different culture, a different race, a different nation. And I love the fact that my God can learn about God from other people who get it and just get it because God is a giver. Why do we talk about finances? Because we're on a journey to be like God. You and I are just on a journey, disciples on a journey, becoming like Jesus. And so we're speaking about the finances because we want to partner in the story. Do you know, if if you want to hear profilers, when they go on a journey of profiling, it's not like CSI. It doesn't happen that way. You know where they start when they're profiling an individual? 
They start with their bank accounts. If they're saying, who is this person? Where do we find them? They go to their bank accounts and they show the history of their bank accounts. And say, why? Because your bank accounts reveal what's important to you and where you'll probably be in that journey. And Matthew 6 puts it this way, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is that? Reach far, raise up, release wide. Nothing but a trial line. I sat at an under seven rugby game yesterday at the end of a season. They've been playing all year and many kids still don't know where the trial line is. And I'm telling you, it's the same for many Christians. We don't know what the trial line is. So we don't know where to invest. And our heart was split. And we think some things are good and we're not sure. God is wanting to clarify what the trial line is. That actually it's not how much it costs. It is how much it's worth. And I've just preached at Milnerton because there's one lady who sits on the right of the church. Her name is Diane. And she got saved there because the church was planted. And people who she didn't have fuel in her car to get there. Someone picked her up, drove there, and she loved it. And she's never left. If it was all for Diane, it's all worth it. And yet God has done so much more. And then he says, I want to raise up. I want to reach people far from Christ. I want to raise them up in Christ because it's all about Jesus. I want to raise the church up to be strong, courageous, full of life, full of power, invested in a story, not just doubting a little bit here. No, going forward, advancing the kingdom of God so that we can release them wide for kingdom impact. Why talk about money? Because partnership is a Bible thing. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, there's a completion that's still coming in all of our lives. He says, I want that work to complete. Why and how? Through partnership in the gospel. We don't have members at Life Changes, by the way. If you're visiting today, you can't be a member here. Sorry, Phil. No, I'm joking. We have partners. And we use the language partners because you can be a country member at a golf club. You can't be a country partner. You get invested. You get involved. I'm, and, and, and the Bible calls us to partnership in the gospel. So why is it today important? Well, I was in church for 20 years. One church. And I love the leader who leads it. I think he's the most amazing man I've ever met. And he's the reason I'm in ministry. But I never heard the finances spoken on a Sunday ever. I always heard how to give. And while I was running my own business for three and a half years and then the marketplace for nine years at, an, at a corporate company, I always got told how to give and I got taught how to give. But I never got shown, well, where does it go? And I kind of thought in those days, if I ever were to do a crazy job like lead a church, I want to have some measure of transparency so we can move forward and people can see that the trial line just doesn't look like words on a wall. The trial line is real. The trial line is the journey the church goes on with their finances and their mouth. Is that right? Is that a bit honest? I love it. I, I do believe and I do encourage people to give. Why? It's good for them and it's good for their souls. It's good for me. This is how I fight my battles. You know how I fight my battles? Every month, every month, since I was 19 years old, because I grew up in a home that trusted the Word of God and I got taught it at a young age. Every month, I go to my computer and I give an amount away. To the church, I give another amount away that, that is not tithed. It's an offering, and I look to sow every month. Why? Because that's how I fight my battles. I trust God. I believe He's in control, and I know He has my story in His hands. You trust God. He will fight your battles. I believe it's good for gospel advancing, and I know it's good, and I know it's good for the world. 
when the church is partaking in world advancement. So how we reflect our numbers and how we view our numbers in the light of that is in four categories. Number one, don't put that up yet. Number one, operations. And it takes operations to run this. Operations look like, uh, it's, it's coffee. <laughs> it's, it's coffee machines. It's toilet paper. It's lights and water. It's staff. All these people, redheads are expensive to feed. And they're expensive to get. They're like ministry unicorns. You've got to, you've got to pay those guys. No, I'm joking. But somebody's got to feed Olivia. And that's how it works. We plant and we invest and we sow into those things. That's called operations. And every house has an operational cost. My home at home has an operational cost. I have three young wildlings who eat a lot. Like a lot. That's why macaroni cheese without a lot of cheese is the option, actually. And um, then there's another one, events and ministries, which in the life of the church is directly linked to reach far. It's, it's arise, ladies, where free coffee is provided. Not because we get the coffee free. No, we pay full price. Well, we do bargain where we can. I do have staff here, so you know. But we work really hard to reach for, and it's, it's, it's Alpha course last year. 130 people sitting around tables having meals for six weeks. Why is it worth it? And it doesn't matter what it costs, because if one person gives their life to Jesus and the eternity is forever changed, it doesn't matter what it costs. We do it wisely. We cater in-house. And I make the chocolate sauce for Alpha. That's all part of it. But God says, actually, it's important that we're sowing and actually... This events and ministry is directly tied. It's youth, it's kids, and systems that are needed for your kids so that they've got great curriculums and good check-in systems and safe and that stuff. Beyond our walls, which is giving beyond ourselves and outside of the four walls of this church or anything to do with the running of this church. I'll speak about what that looks like a little bit a lot. Last, a heart for the house. Investing in our house that 70 people built this place. Two of them I've just preached to about remaining generous. And they're sitting in a school hall because when we planted a church, they were the first two people at the age of 70-something to say, we want to be a part of a planting, pioneering story. You know what that does for my heart? Uh, those people give me courage. And um, so our finances, and again, you might be perturbed. You might not know what numbers. I'm just giving clarity because we do this every year to make sure we're on the same journey. And it holds us accountable to that journey. I want to tell you this. We take the finance of this church very, very seriously. These are audited numbers. We have external voice into it, both external off eldership and on eldership and external to our church. One of them being the church that Gabe Phillips is preaching at this morning, Rory Dyer and others. Just so you know, is that helpful? So part of the conspiracy, this is how we spent money in the financial year of 2018. 62% on operations which is everything, and everything's involved in that story. And let me give you insight into some of that. Um, where is that? Yeah. 62 percent operation. Can you go to the next slide? But there's a story behind that. See, because we have a goal line, and the goal line is not push up the operational cost of the church. The goal line is let's get them down so we can spend a lot more outside of that. And so in the last four years, we've gone from over 80% to just on 62% operational costs. And you, if you've been around, will know it's not because we're doing less. It's actually, we've gone from one service in the morning and a small service in the evening to four full services with kids in every service. We give away more coffee than is humanly possible. Um, and and we, we have a desire to be generous and operate in the life of the church. More air, meetings mean more aircon, which means more electricity. I'm just giving you clarity on how that looks. It, it, we're not upping people. We haven't employed more pastors. 
We just run them between Milton. I didn't get a speeding fine, by the way, getting here. Just telling you. I didn't, I didn't speed at all. Trusted God. This is how I fight my battles. And, um, but part of this and, and understanding is 100% of life changes costs are paid and resourced by life changes resources. There is no big denominational story or benefactor behind the scenes. I'm just telling you that. It's important for you to know if we are partners, that everything that happens here from the chair you're sitting in has been paid for by someone who called themselves life changers at a time. And uh, we've gone for meetings. But part of it is we believe we want to be the best church for the city, not the best church in the city. We want to serve our city. And that looks like being hospitable to the stranger. So if someone walks in, it's important that our house is presentable and hospitable to them because they're not look, walking in going, oh, this is just a church. They're looking and saying, can I find life here? Can I engage God here? Just presenting it to you and pushing it. But the story is one of actually we're driving those costs down as a percentage of our total spend. Why? Because we have a goal line, and it's not to be the fanciest church in the city. It's to be the most effective for the gospel, to see those far from God reached. And, and uh, you, um, part of that story is a staff that works really hard. And I haven't done it in either service this morning, but I want to honor these guys, particularly that guy over there. He's the guy who makes me spend money the most. He's expensive to keep around. But part of it, every time we do something here, there's at least three quotes. Just so you know that. And we process hard to get the best, to, to make every cent count. And I'll give you an example. Behind this wall, there's a copier because we need photostats. Amazing thing. Yes, I know there's trees and all that. We're working on that. But it's important. But we needed a photocopier to serve our kids. And so we got four quotes over a process of about three months, of which came back to us actually we got a good one. And I sent it to a mate of mine. I said, hey, I, I just, I need you to just tell me, is this good? Are we doing well here? He said, that's a great quote. You know what happened the next day? He phoned me and said, that is a great quote. That's not my house, but that is my father's house and you're my brother. So I'm going to buy you a copier anyway. 36,000 rand of copier given to the church. And it's not because of anything other than this faith in the finances and the story. There's lots of those stories. I just get to tell you one or two. But God is faithful and he's kind. Second is um, the next. Uh, can we go back to the first one so you see the Rand sign? And uh, it's within a picture. And I'm not trying to hide anything. Uh, 16.2 special events and ministries. But there's a story to that one too. And the story looks like this. We're investing into special events and ministries. It's two slides on. Sorry, guys. And... Um, it's this, that a few years ago, we actually did church well on a Sunday, but we didn't have a lot of ministries that were invested in. It's the fact. And we resourced. So kids was, make a plan, everything. Actually, we've invested in none of this is salaries. This is purely spend into areas, like a system to run kids, like curriculums to run and do those things well. And um, we've invested 16% in events. Why? Because Reach Far is our trial line. So when we host an Arise Ladies event, it's not self-funding. It's not profit-making. It's supported. Why? Because we have a trial line. When we host Alpha, we don't charge. Why? Because there's a trial line. Would we grow attendance in life groups if we gave Jenny's baden butter pudding free at every life group? Can I have a yes? I, I would go to three life groups a week. But why don't we do that? Because I'd rather invest in those who are on a journey of searching to see Jesus. Because you know what? We'll be okay. They need Jesus. Is it that real? It's that. That's how we process. That's how we make our decisions. And it's different events and those things. Maybe the next slide, please. Heart for the house, I think it is. 
and uh, beyond our, yeah, that's fine. Just to let you know, and we haven't spent on our house much. This year was the first year we've spent in a couple of years. And it's made such a difference. If we hadn't have done this thing, uh, if you were at the ladies' conference on the Friday night, over 300 ladies, I think, here, cold, almost rainy, it would have been a mess. But because we've invested and because you've invested and we haven't had to do capital campaigns and drive uh, emotions to get finances out of people, that we will never do that. That's why I'll never speak about finances and take up an offering afterwards. You'll never see that. But actually, there's been faithful sowing. We've been able to invest into our house and host people really well. And um, we want to keep investing in our house. And that looks like sound equipment. At, so Milnerton, part of it is expensive because breaking up and down sound equipment every week, setting it in a storage room, means stuff breaks. So we've just had to replace a snake. Have you ever, anyone own a snake? Like a sound snake. It's like this long 30-meter thing that gets sound from here to there. So it gets there, so it gets there, and then it gets there. I don't know. It's expensive, but they break. And um, the last one, if we can pop that up, is called Beyond Our Walls. And this is the one I'm probably most passionate about because this is very much to do with release wide. But this is our sowing beyond ourselves. It has no benefit to us. And something that's going to shock you is when Robin Elliot Buerta came here in February, remember those guys, the faith conference? And then on the Sunday night, we had a meeting and I asked, I said, at church, we want to give to the nations of the world. We want to give to church plants in Sri Lanka and Pakistan because that church are planting churches all the time. They're sending migrant laborers who go to Doha who get saved and encounter Jesus, they go back and plant churches in these amazing nations. We were able to sow just over 100,000 rand to church plants in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And uh, on top of that, we're also able to give to the poor within our church and in our area, in those areas. And we're saying, God, show us, lead us. But this is where we want to be. We, we're not about growing the base and yeah, we want to grow in our investment into the nations of the world. But I want to show you one picture that's the next one that's probably the most exciting, our short-term goal and plan in this regard. And this is saying, well, those are our current percentages, but we want to get our operations down to 50%, which we're going to have to work really, really hard to do. But we want our events and ministries, our reach farm ministries, to be at 20% of that. We want our, our, our beyond-the-walls, our release-wide ministries to be at least 20%, where half of that goes towards church building, church plants, and, church, and advancing the kingdom through vehicles and NPOs, and the, other, and the other half goes towards our city, NPOs doing work in our city, getting our hands dirty in the life of the city, feeding and growing people, entrepreneurship programs. We want to be a part of that. We want to sign up for that, and we'd love you to be a part of that as well. This is just in our current operations, and heart for the house. We need to invest, uh, Milnertons, venues, all that kind of stuff. So why am I telling you this? Is it because the finances of the church are struggling? Not at all. I'm telling you this because it's good for you and it's good for me and it's good for our partnership. This is a generous church and has been a generous church without coercion, without manipulation. You see us. We do worship. Offering is part of worship. It's part of, we're not trying to do a pitch every week, but it is good. The Bible does say, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4. Uh, to not speak about finances means there's going to be deformation. There's going to be destruction. And we've got to speak and bring clarity and life. And I think one way to do that is endorse and celebrate partnership and say, hey, this is what you're a part of. You've been a part of releasing money to Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. But thank God for that. Thank Him for that. 
go and pray for those guys. I get to go and minister in the Middle East soon, and I get to go sit with some of those church planters who they're paying to come back to be a part of this training time where I'm going to get to sit with some of these guys, and they're going to tell me stories. One of them is a church planter who used to walk two hours to get to the church that he planted. He now has a motorbike and get there in 25 minutes because you bought it for him. Don't know how else to tell you that. It's what it is. Some of you are very serious, looking like a hey, hey boy, what's happening? There's a battle for your heart, and there's a battle for my heart. And money's one of the tech, one of the things. And God speaks about it. Jesus speaks about it. But we have to speak about it. Number one, I also want to say that the global church seems somewhat confused around finances. Seems somewhat confused. We have to get clarity, speak the truth in love with a perspective of life. Is the prosperity gospel all wrong? No, our God actually causes people to prosper. But the emphases have to be right in line with God's mission and mandate. And he calls us those stories. And actually, we get to partner in his story. I don't want to go down that road, get too complicated too quick. But the issue is around freedom. And a radical inheritance demands a radical obedience. It doesn't make sense in tough economic times. It doesn't make sense when you've got kids. I know, because I've got three. But God is faithful, and God is kind, and God is with us, and we navigate these things. Maybe we can pop up the next slides that I left out there just to give you some impact of how this gets spent, what it looks like, we've, and some what it's impacted. We've had 110 people go through our link processes and say, we want to be a part of a local church story called Life Changes. That's not just the people who came. It's those who said, we're up for it. Starting point, 100. We have 359 volunteers in the life of this church, actively. That's cool. You know how we get operational costs down? By teaming. But not just employing more, or well, let's employ someone to, to make coffee. Why? Because some get a ministry. They get to love people. They get to touch um, people's lives by making them the best coffee they can and encourage them at that moment and remember their name the next time they see them. So parking volunteers knocked over in the car park. Zero. We have a great health and safety record. That's the right number. It's the one time zero is important. The next one, I want to shoot through these. We have had 182 services in the year. It's a lot. But every one of them, if one person got saved, some of you are like, I was at 172 of those. <laughs> We've Gabe has only fallen off the stage twice. That's also a good health and safety record. It's better than the year before, trust me. We had to get the courtyard right. Those suppliers came back four times because I have some high standards, and we're going to get them right. Sunday meals made. Next one, um, and new visitors. We've had 590 people not visit the church. We've had 590 people fill in forms and give us the information, and we've been able to contact them and send them information and touch points for the kingdom of God. That's amazing, and that's awesome. Last two, we've had over 100 kids join Life Kids and get their details. 27 of under 16-year-olds, I think it is, are serving in the life of the church. And, and uh, I think that's exhilarating. 936 rolls of toilet paper. Go before church. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was naughty. I apologize. Milk used, 1,800 liters. Coffee, 248 kgs. 20,000 coffee served and Apparently, I've had 200 cortados in the last year. I apologize. They're small, though, so they're a little bit cheaper. It's less milk. Why do we give? And, and what really matters? Yeah, what's this? 
The last one, sorry. What really matters and why do we give that? It'll go to the next slide. Oh, how do you know Gabe has a daughter named Olivia? He tells you every preach. Every preach. The whole of Pretoria will know that this morning. But what really matters, and those numbers are harder to get. Salvations. Marriages restored. Addictions broken. People released into more of God. Eternities forever changed. And a city loved and served. That's what matters. Those are the big things that matter. That's why it doesn't matter what it costs. It matters what it's worth. And we get pulled into his story. A couple of things on why we give. Number one, we give as an act of worship. Why do we do our giving moment in church during worship? Because it is worship. It's part of worship. We get to partner in Him. We give as an act of love for people because at the end of the day, all these things and operations and things and Gabe getting to preach the gospel in Pretoria as Afrikaans people. He cannot speak Afrikaans, by the way, at all. Not a single word. But why would God send a man from Pretoria, to, from Cape Town to Pretoria to preach the gospel? Because maybe one life will get changed. It's all worth it. We give as an act of freedom. Please, if there's anything on you that gives and everyone's like, ah, and you're weeping and you're in pain, hitting the send button or putting the money in the, please stop. Stop. Just stop. Why? Because this is the most liberating thing in the world, to partake in an eternal story and be a part of that with everything a part of me. It is a grace gift and it is a freedom thing that God says, I loved you before you were even saved. How do you think I won't love you if you don't give? He loves you, full stop. But you get to partner in his story, which is even more glorious. And because of that, we give because of freedom. Celebrating and being a part of it, we give as an act of trust. And I sit with my little boy. I say, boy, here's the money you get in. He says, what's that line, Dad? I said, that's how much we give away every month. He said, yes, Dad. And I get to go, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, I trust you. Hallowed was the same word used when Moses struck the rock twice. And no water came from the rock. And he got arrested by and said, you're not going to go into the promised land? He said, why? Because you did not hallow my name. You didn't trust me. I've got to teach my kids to trust him. There's no better way than being a part of a giving story. What do we give? We give a portion. I am a tither, and I preach tithing as the most grace gift there is. Tithing was before the law. It's there afterwards. a principle given to God's people for freedom and life. Why? Because not many people wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to give away money today. It's good for my heart. It keeps me in a spacious place. The same way disciplines like brushing your teeth or eating and breathing do. God says, I'm going to call us into a story, and 10% is a starting point for believers to go on a journey. It's a God-given, before the law, grace gift to us for our future. But if you want to call it regular, generous giving, you call it whatever it is, but I'm calling you to be like Jesus, because that's my job, as I am going on a journey to be like Jesus. And we give a first portion Matthew 6, seek God's kingdom first. We give a portion of all our income. We give to advance God's kingdom through the church. And I do believe we should be giving outside of the church as well. And I do, by the way. But I believe of primary importance that God's spearhead and the tip of his arrow into this world is the local church. I believe it with everything inside of me. And I've never changed that. How do we give? We give consistently. And uh, 2 Corinthians 8 Paul writes this, last year you were first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. I encountered something called the tithing challenge in America. 
which said this, you tithe for three months, and if your finances don't grow, we'll give your tithe back. I'm just telling you it's weird, guys. God says you give, and I'm always there. This is how you fight my battles. I'm surrounded. We'll never manipulate you like that. Never. Sorry, please don't go search that out. We give sacrificially. We give joyfully. It is sacrificial. It's always sacrificial. It doesn't matter how much money. The people who struggle to give the most are those with the most. I'm telling you. Sat with a man about two years ago who I remember when he gave his life and he started giving and it was this joy in him. And then he sat with me about two years ago and said, you, you don't know how much I have to give now. I'm like, China, grow up. Because you really trusted God then and now you're supposed to be 10 years down the line walking with God. You know him more, but you're trusting him less. That's the journey of maturing in Jesus, trusting him more. And um, we give joyfully, we give expectantly. I wouldn't say grow up to you, by the way. I just said it to him because he's one of my best mates. And the Bible does say we give expectantly. Why? Because whoever sows generously will reap generously. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. See, the big issue is I want God's blessing and best for you as a community. I want his best for you. And I know that God will still pour out his favor even if we aren't faithful. That's how he is. Even if my kids are naughty, I still love them. I still feed them. But God says, I want my best for you. I want to bless where you sow seed. I want to water that seed. This is what we do. We are generous givers because that's who God is. Some feedback. We did a sowing in summer two years ago and last year. That money was used directly into the advancement of this courtyard and to pay off the, the plans and everything. It was also used to set up Milneton. When you plant a church, you need whole sound equipment. You need investment into elements of adverts, or not adverts, of billboards and all sorts of stuff. But, but you have paid for that. I didn't pay for that, by the way. We all did, together. How awesome is that? And if one person were to walk in who's in a broken state of life and go, yes, this place was prepared for me, maybe there is a God who loves me and prepares a house for me in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's how it works for me. Then we want to invest, and as we're going forward, I want to share some vision stuff with us that maybe saying, I want to invest beyond, Mark. I give monthly, but I want to invest beyond. Well, there's some opportunities to invest. Tableview Campus Extension. We have eight staff members who sit in one little room at the front that every volunteer goes through on a Sunday morning. It's chaos. We need to expand this place. This building is used every day of the week. There's a school. They use this facility. There are fundraisers that happen. There are people who come in and use therapy rooms. And we need more. We want to create landing spaces for you to come and work here and be here during the day and bring your friends to come and receive a coffee and be loved in the community. We need to extend on the top section. And it looks a little something like this, although it's very rough and rudimentary. But we got the plans. And we're costing and we understand. We'll communicate that as we go. But actually, we host people really well in here, but people drive past every day. And they're saying, I'm looking for somewhere I could maybe be loved, maybe encounter people who are generous. And we're hiding at the back, and they can't see us. I think we need to meet here so that we can see us. Why? So our building can start to reach far. Because I think everything has redemptive potential, including buildings for the kingdom of God. I'm just sharing this because I got asked recently, what are areas I concerned to? Well, these look like areas. We, we want to plant a church in the city of Cape Town. Whether it's a life changes or not, we want to plant churches. We believe in church planting. We believe it's part of God's advancing story. We want to keep ministering. What I didn't tell you is part of, uh, uh, um, which section is it? Help me. What category? We sow money into Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer. 
bottom line. And Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer were the couple who left um, their, their comfortable home in Freyhe to come and plant a church called Life Changes in the city of Cape Town with zero friends in the city. And they brought their two daughters and they planted in Nine Jenny Lane. Wally had a home group of every night of the week because that's when people were available. That's how he grew his church. And this church is sown out of faith, out of courageous, pioneering faith. And we keep sowing to this couple, and they now, uh, I spoke to him the other day, he was in Namibia, then he was in a church in Freyhate, then he was helping a church plant in Soweto, then he was helping down in south of Durban. They are experienced hands who built and led church, fruitful people who've been fruitful for 40 years. Let me tell you this, we don't have to give to them at all. We've honored them, we've blessed them. I don't have to give them, but we want to, because they are fruitful seeds sown from this house. We want to keep doing that. I trust that makes sense. Lastly, generous justice. I heard such a cool thing. A friend of mine's church raised up an offering and have invested that money into funding a legal battle for adoption. Because in the province of KZN, there hasn't been an adoption for over a year. I don't know if you know that. Because the department made a decision saying, actually, it's cheaper for us to house babies in homes than to go the legal process of adoption with social workers and legal courts it's cheaper to house them in homes, just build homes. So there have been zero adoptions in a nation that has over two and a half million orphans. And they said, actually, the kingdom of God breaks into injustice. And as a church, they are sowing into that one area, and they're going to court with the government to fight for the orphans. Don't you think that is cool? I mean, like... Oh, anyway, that was a lot. One promise to you. And an encouragement. Number one, as your leaders in this place, and I'm speaking on behalf of the eldership team, we will lead the way in this. There's only one group of people I ask, do you give? There's only one group of people I ask, do you tithe? That is the elders. It's before they come into eldership, I will ask them. I don't know if you give, and I don't want to know. But for them, I do need to know why, because together we call you to a story of advancing the gospel where we speak of a truth and a principle of giving. And we will facilitate and steward that money as integrously as we can. But we will lead the way in generosity. And I trust I do in the percentage of our giving as a family. My wife and I have made a commitment that as we grow every year, we want to increase that percentage year on year incrementally. And as we get older, we don't want just more money lying in a bank. We want more money going out for the kingdom of God. That's our faith, and that's our story. But what's your story? As a leadership, we'll steward every sense that you give with everything we can, and work really hard to make it see kingdom fruitfulness. I want to say to a few people, number one, if you are a giver in the story, thank you. And I don't take it lightly, thank you. There's no expectation. There is fruitfulness, but thank you. As staff, we pray often, and often we'll pray for every cent that is given, and thank God for the privilege of what we get to do, because there are people of faith who sow into that story. Thank you. But keep asking God and challenging God and keep sowing seed and keep saying, what's the more, what's the next, and how can I be more like you? If you had and you're saying, Mark, I would love to, but I just can't. That's okay. But go on a journey of faith and start it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. What does that look like? Well, start praying and asking God for heavenly strategies for freedom and space in your finances. See, the issue is not always what we're getting in. The issue is what we're doing with what we're getting in. And if it's a few thousand, if it's a lot, ask God for strategies and allow his order and government to come in your life and watch the fruitfulness begin to appear from the soil. 
and start little. I think the greatest offering we see in the Bible wasn't temples built and gold given. It was a little lady with copper coins saying, I'm going to sow into the kingdom of God. And Jesus saw it and said, that's glorious. I want to pardon in glorious offerings. And I want to be a part of that and I'll lead the way in that. But if you can't, then trust God. And also come and speak to us. We have people in the life of the church who could sit with you and allow God to bring his government, like budgets and like wisdom and like how to get free of debt and how to shake off unnecessary debt. And I know that our world is teaching us just go and get and get. No, actually, we're going to trust one source. His name is Jesus and a Father in heaven. Lastly, if you're here and you're saying, Mark, I don't buy this tithing rubbish. I don't buy it. Well, don't. I'm not here to convince you of anything. I am here to teach the Word of God. I would love to sit with you and take you on a theological journey because that's the only thing that really matters is the truth. I want the best for you. And I ask you to open up your hearts and do a word journey of trusting who God is and saying, actually, I want to buy into that story. And if there's any excitement that jumps in you in being a part of that story, allow God to do what He does and start in faith today to be a part of that story. Big or small, start somewhere. Make a decision and start. Uh, I've got to tell you, I completely overprepared for today. This is one of those preachers. I said to my wife on the phone, she phoned me while I was driving back from Milton. I said, I, I probably prepared 30 hours for this preach, even though it's probably the easiest one to do. Because we don't take this lightly. But you know, my greatest desire in my heart is not that the income of this church would grow. God's got that in the palm of his hand. You know, my greatest desire is that you and I would go on journeys of being more like Jesus. Because only that will truly change the world. And I want to change the world. I want to sit at booths and my kids get to see the glory of God because of the generosity of someone from another nation who decides to bless them in a moment of teaching. I'm saying, God, teach me to be like you. Because all that really matters is a church that looks like you in every way. Can I pray for us? Is that all right? Actually, before I pray, I haven't done this in any of the services. Can you just put up those last images of the photos? I look at these images, and they were the photos taken for the devoted books, but I look at them almost every day. I've got them on my computer on a screenshot. Why? Because it reminds me of why we do what we do. That inside these stories were brokenness and destruction. That young man stopped there, got married two weeks ago. Came in broken and now worships at a church. He was known as a hooligan where he went to school. That young man was depressed and now he's our care pastor in the life of this church. That amazing lady is the talent officer at the airport and she serves our children. Those amazing people have been on incredible journeys. That man has looked after my kids many times. He used to be an internet fraudster, but Jesus got a hold of his heart. That amazing lady came to church in a very low moment in her life because a church was planted in Milnerton. And she met Jesus. And I got to preach with her sitting over there this morning at Milnerton. That amazing lady was of a different sexual orientation, encountered the love of Jesus, and has gone on a journey of transformation. I don't know why you do what you do, but that's why I do what I do. And that's why we do what we do. Because we want to see thousands of these. Whether they call life changes home or not, whether this name gets known in the world or not, it doesn't matter to me. It matters the name of Jesus.